Welcome to Design Conscious, a podcast exploring diversity and leadership in environmental sustainability in the built environment. My name is Sarah Lawler. I am a Sydney-based architect, and through this series, I speak to sustainability leaders working across a variety of different organisations related to the built environment, including design, construction, research and investment, with an aim to learn about the impact of sustainability leadership. This podcast is supported by the 2020 International Women's Day Scholarship awarded by NARWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, which has facilitated this research into gender equity and diversity in sustainability leadership. Dr. Komali Yanetti is a lecturer in geography, urban planning and environment at the School of Architecture and Built Environment in the Faculty of Science and Engineering at the University of Wolverhampton in the UK, having relocated from Australia during COVID. She has previously worked with the University of New South Wales and at other institutions across Asia and Europe. Tomali is passionate about collaborating with industry and has won several research grants to explore climate smart cities, energy efficiency and urban heat mitigation. Komali is an honorary fellow at the Australia India Institute and is currently course leader of the Geography, Urban Environments and Climate Change Bachelor of Science course at Wolverhampton. Komali dialed in from the UK for a discussion on knowledge exchange between academia and industry, the competitive edge of sustainability, and the rising voices of future leaders and action makers. Hi, Komali. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, I'd like to start our conversation today by talking a little bit about your career journey so far. I'm really interested in um, your role leading up into your current position and how you got into sustainability. And every time people sort of ask me about my career journey, one word I would say uh, that is a nomad, you know, a nomadic journey. I've travelled quite a few countries, somewhere started in India as an undergrad there, did my architecture there. And after that, um, I did, I moved a bit around India as well. So after I finished my architecture, I went on to do my master's in another city. And after that, I sort of moved to UK to do my PhD. So I did my PhD here. And then sort of after that, I moved to China to do a postdoc there for a couple of years. And during that process, I also learned a bit of Mandarin. And from there, I came to Australia. Um, so I joined UNSW there. Um, so I've been there for three years. And now here I am in the UK back again. So I guess um, with me, you know, travel really has been a constant all over through my education, research, learning process, and also working. So, yeah. And what is your current role now in the UK that you've moved to? So I'm currently working as a lecturer and program leader, and I'm currently leading the program in geography, urban environment, and climate change. And I wonder if you could elaborate a little on your um, 
experience with sustainability and how it relates to the built environment? Yeah, so the sustainability journey for me has been really long. Um, it started ever since my undergrads in architecture. So my final year dissertation was looking at ecotourism, uh, specifically looking at how tourism or building, uh, especially the tourism buildings, have been impacting uh, communities, especially the marginal communities. Um, and during that process, I realized that I have been increasingly passionate about sustainability. So I went on to do a master's in environmental planning, um, but, you know, focus on, again, environment as the core subject. Uh, during this, I sort of really became interested in climate change. Um, I've got in, uh, involved with Indian Youth Climate Network as one of the regional coordinators. I sort of participated in the COP15, you know, the UNFCCC climate conferences as Indian Youth representative long ago. And so in the process, I was increasingly really interested um, in climate change and sustainability. I went to do a master's dissertation on looking at the impact of aviation on climate change. This was a decade ago. We're talking about, you know, increased travels and impact on climate change, but this was a decade ago and I was actually looking at impact of aviation on climate change. So this sort of has really um, instilled me more sort of do further I sort of realized in the process I, you know, when I attended climate change conferences, I realized that more than activism, there is more to do, especially more the science of it, understanding, unpacking, realizing the science of it. So I wanted to do a PhD. Um, I went to the UK to do a PhD where I sort of started looking at research on solar energy. Um, so looking at social, so during this process, I became again, especially looked at the social aspects of sustainability. If you remember, um, it's through, uh, ethics specifically, I was interested more in terms of ethics and the relation between ethics and sustainability. Um, so I was looking at justice, equity, and also, you know, better engagement of communities and public in all those that relate to sustainability. And during this process, I've done a lot of loads of other stuff related to sustainability. And especially uh, once I went to Australia, I did a lot of work on engaging with the you know, sustainability industry and governments and the nexus of sort of policy industry and education. So that sort of broadened my horizons in terms of, you know, um, engaging more into deeper sustainability policy and yeah, practice. Yeah, I'm interested to hear more about that um, relationship between policy, education, practice, because um, you are an academic and a, a lecturer, and so you've really chosen to make your impact um, in that realm. And I'm wondering, yeah, how you see your role as a sustainability leader and um, the kind of agency that you have in your role. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, it, is in, it is indeed has been a long journey, um, especially, you know, being an academic. Five years after my PhD, I'm here. It's been a bit of a uh, journey in terms of working at working with different people, different communities. Of course, you know, communities separated by race, 
class, country, and so on. So I guess the most important thing for me is, especially in the built environment industry, is engagement with you know industry and policy, and especially this is extremely important because change happens at policy level. And also, um, one more thing: what I would like to see is that because engaging of different stakeholders in SDGs are really crucial for advancement of science or even deployment of new technology in sustainability. So I know, Amanda, this is like a you know marriage, and we know like marriages um, it can be really or somewhat uneasy. It requires time, it requires trust building, and it requires mutual understanding and mutual acceptance. So, yeah, um, so that is what I believe. How do you think you have agency and impact in that in that role? Thank you so much. Uh, again, it has not really been easy journey because, especially being a woman, um, a young woman, father, always has always been difficult. But I sort of one thing uh, maybe I would say is that I just took the right opportunity. Um, I was sort of never shy. So, you know, often said, oh, do I, can I really go and ask for it? So I just, at the max, they would say no. So I always have been sort of taking whatever opportunity that came along my way. I just went, asked for it, took some risk, you know, um, proactive, being proactive, so yeah, I mean that that's how it has it has worked, and I believe my definition of a successful female leader, or or any leader for that matter, really, is someone who utilizes their full skills and talents to their passion, mm-hmm. and who inspires to sort of others to take action to capture their imagination, and at the same time encourage towards you know I will into the oh I just wish I could do that. So it's just that going out of your step, out of your box, out of your comfort zone, take a step and lead. Um, And I think the rest will fall in place. Yeah, that's a great definition of leadership. And I guess to segue, um, you've mentioned that you are a young female leader. And I'd like to talk more about your experience in relation to female representation and diversity in leadership. I'm wondering if there have been particular challenges or opportunities in your career that you have felt to be significant in your journey? Yeah, um, I think it's it's like any other field, sustainability also has its own challenges and opportunities along the way. So to be optimistic, I'm an optimist. So I will start with opportunities and then maybe talk about challenges later. So opportunities, there are a significant amount of opportunities if you, you know, take a step. So especially in sustainability. Um, so I've been involved in a number of uh, sort of groups, including Women in STEM Network, the Global Women's Network in Energy. Um, and also, uh, for example, I was also part of a few early career academic networks, um, I was a part of, you know, international networks on uh, geography. And all these classes, what was really is that 
there are there were opportunities there are opportunities there will be opportunities what i just took again i want to emphasize is that i just went and sort of asked for it so so opportunities wouldn't come and knock at your door so you have to sort of go in search of them so i have sort of made utilized or you know um whatever opportunities that were coming my way so um there are opportunities i guess um uh, whether it is uh, irrespective of gender but especially for women um there are opportunities if you want it and challenges um yeah again um like all fields there are challenges especially fighting gender stereotypes you know um yeah and also managing many roles so women would manage many roles and also taking risk this is something i really would like to emphasize because often we would be like oh can i actually really do that um is it safe or should i sort of do play in my own game so i think it's really important to sort of address those three challenges and take the right opportunities that come your way You've mentioned your interest in social sustainability and you were also the ethical and environmental officer representing students at the University of Birmingham. This interconnectedness between ethics and the envir- environment has been a recurring theme in my research so far. I'm wondering if you can reflect on that nexus between diversity and sustainability. Yeah, um I think I mean, it has also been uh, the nexus between ethics, social, and environment has also been recurring all through my research and all through my career. For example, my own PhD research, uh, I initially started at actually looking at solar energy as a climate change mitigation technology. As I sort of was doing my literature review in the first year, I actually realized that solar energy is sort of environmentally good but also there were challenges with respect to social aspects and equity and other stuff so as i went through i sort of was in, then found out there are much more deeper challenges that i need to unravel so there i went and did some sort of um you know research on social justice and solar energy implementation so I believe the balance the balanced pursuit of ecological health social equity um and economic welfare um really is what about sustainability so the equity part of it is the ethical part so um having access to access, access for communities to participation equity justice public participation in all environmentally good projects is extremely important and this is where the nexus between ethics and environment comes into picture and do you think that's got to feed into how people work in the industry as well that actually people are um quite aware of these social issues if they are coming to work in the sustainability field so uh, i mean uh, uh for those who are working in sustainability there is again uh there is sort of a weak sustainability and strong sustainability so those who would focus rather on weak sustainability 
wouldn't really be able to recognize those social aspects of it. I mean, they, I mean, the basic definition of sustainability is actually the triad of all these three things, which is, you know, equity, um, environment and economy. But often the debates on environment, you know, get stronger forefront and the social aspects are missed out. So, yeah, so that, that is often. But for those who are aware and working on strong sustainability, they would for sure recognize that equity or justice and ethics and environment are very interlinked. And what do you mean by weak and strong sustainability? Um, so, like I said, uh, weak and strong sustainabilities are sort of two things. So, weak sustainability is that mostly uh, it is touched on, um, let's say, the fossil fuel industry, which is trying to contribute to um, more better sustainability initiatives within that. Uh, so that could be a weak sustainability, whereas strong sustainability is actually really sustainability initiatives that integrates all sorts of initiatives from all angles, all dimensions, that is from social dimension, environmental dimension, and as well economical dimension. So that utilizes less resources and it provides better opportunities or jobs and, uh, you know, uh, sustainable jobs. And at the same time, it also considers the social aspects of um, the technology or the project that you do. I'd like to turn the conversation now to leadership. And um, you were the founding chair of the International Geographical Union's Young and Early Career geographers task force that's a mouthful (laughs) as well as an executive committee member for the UNSW early career academic network can you reflect on the leadership potential of young and early career professionals in the built environment I would really like to quote Mahatma Gandhi Um, it says be the change you want to see in the world so young people are real change makers. I see there are significant opportunities for young people in built environment. There is a recent survey conducted by an organization called Buildings in the UK, and it say, um, it took perceptions of young people working and um, studying construction. And the this, this survey revealed that its future leaders, that is the future leaders in construction, will be a combination of optimists and those who voice many criticisms. So it is the the sort of the industry pro is provides is providing significant number of opportunities. At the same time, it seems to be very critical about it seems to be overlooking fresh talent, low paid for the amount of work that they do um, and, uh, you know, um, not level playing gender uh, dimensions, that is level playing equally for women and men, young women and men. So I think there are sort of those sort of, uh, you know, uh, balanced issues, but largely it would be a sort of combination of optimists and um, those who raise voice but you will see more and more voices, whether it is optimism or pessimism. 
Yeah, and it's interesting times at the moment, isn't it? We've got kind of dual crises going on with the climate crisis and and the pandemic, but also it feels like a more political and divisive context in our community. And so, yeah, I think those voices will be very important. Yeah, and and they need to be heard. You have lived and worked, um, as you mentioned, across a number of different countries and have undertaken research in helping to create sustainable cities and communities, um, especially in the Asia in Asia Pacific. Can you reflect on how the Australian built environment industry is tracking compared to other countries in our region in demonstrating leadership in environmental sustainability? So I wouldn't really compare different countries because if we see there is quite a diversity over there so we comparing it's like apples and oranges sometimes so um australia is a sort of a, a developed country and with a country with a really small population we seeing the rest of the asia which is um mostly largely developing world and also high density population so there is two sort of scenarios we're looking at here so i wouldn't really compare um and i would uh make australia as a standalone context again um what i really want to emphasize here is that largely sustainability has been considered as a strength or rather as a you know which can how would i put it like you know um it it can help the company to increase its competitiveness so for example most of the builders developers real estate or even um industry people would see um sustainability as an opportunity to create a source of competitive advantage so and simultaneously it also can improve resource use and um also companies abilities to um reduce resources so for example um like i said uh, developers and builders have been increasingly taking this market view that its sustainability can enable them to generate sort of social value through service standards reduce environmental effects through using more sustainability products and also benefit the company by eliminating low value adding um, products so largely um i would say sustainability again because construction is so diverse there is different sorts of there are different sorts of stakeholders there are wide ranging players and there are um different groups of interests So if we look at sort of research there is significant amount of research that is happening in the in, in Australia and for example I worked a couple of projects while I was at UNSW so uh, we worked with architects we worked with the um builders and developers and also industry and we actually sort of observed that this again this broader market view among these um uh, primary stakeholders 
But with the governments, they're also interested in bringing change. So there are some sort of policies um, and actions that have been taken increasingly. So we have supported governments to add more policy, um, revise it and uh, uh, get a new one. We've also worked with uh, um, a number of sort of uh, industry players and also different local governments in a few other projects on looking at uh, um, urban heat mitigation, for example. This one especially had about 25, you know, industry and government players. They were really interested in that. So I guess... It really is because sustainability is a so broad field. There are different sorts of actions and different sorts of understanding um, in, among the industry and the policymakers. So, for example, urban heat is a, is something that can ring the bell for anyone. So everyone would be really interested because um, Australia has been seeing increasing temperatures in the last decade. And increasing heat and heat waves are, are recurring issues. So anything that related is quite taken well. And uh, I also had an opportunity to work, you know, with industry closely and uh, sort of creating real impact in real world. So, for example, um, in one of our projects where I work with um, a large industry, um, I don't want to name the industry, but we work with a large industry um, to look at implementing cool roof project, uh, you know, cool roofs in low-income communities. So cool roofs are materials that can, you know, reduce urban heat, whether if you install on buildings. So what we did was we took these cool roofs and implemented in low-income communities in India. Um, and uh, we monitored this project for some time. And this collaboration has really um, sort of helped us. This is a long-term and enduring collaboration. We're also currently working with them to, you know, take this pilot project into a big project. And this project has been really influential in policy impact as well, because it resulted in the state where we did this project coming up with a cool roof policy. Um, a mandatory cool roof policy. So, so I've been working with a number of industry and government play, uh, government uh, policy makers, and it is extremely important sort of, you know, um, work together. So that particular project, I don't know if you can tell me or not, but how was that funded? Was it like a government grant or was it actually funded by the um, roof supplier, for example? Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you so much. So it's it's actually a bit of uh, funding here and there. So we've got some from Australia, um, and also the you know the the industry that they've sort of offered, they have in kind offered the cool roofs, because the idea behind it is that again um, the corporate social responsibility for them is one um, that can they can tick the box off. Um, and also, they were interested in getting some government recognition, you know, for the cool roof. So this is the way that the government can recognize, um, because it it was in low-income communities, it is visible, it created impact, and also um, it can be sort of uh, more, expand their market. So. Yeah, and was the purpose behind the... Um the funding to actually help guide policy um, change? 
So yeah, I mean the 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 idea behind the funding is actually doing more sort of cool roof projects because cool roof um, can be potentially an opportunity for urban heat mitigation. We've done a couple of them in Australia as well, in Sydney. Uh, but in general, the idea was to actually create an impact, co-create a project that can create long-term impact. You've been talking about um, policy and, and industry, and I'm interested to hear more about the role of research and also um, educational institutions and I guess the relationship back to industry and how you think that knowledge exchange is working. And, um, yeah, is what what is that process and do you think that um, the research is informing um, the industry in a successful way? Mm. This is actually, again, um, sort of very interesting question and uh, not so easy to answer. Because, uh, for example, I've mentioned in one of our previous comments about this is like a marriage. <laughs> not so easy. It doesn't work all the time. It's not easy. There are problems. Um, it's not, uh, you know, there are issues. There are challenges, especially getting to that sort of even playing field is really um, difficult. And uh, so, again, I would like to tie, um, sort of highlight from my own experience uh, a few projects that I worked in Australia. So I sort of led uh, three projects. So one was on uh, Australia-India Knowledge Exchange on Climate Smart Cities. Um, and another one was an Australia-India Knowledge Exchange on Smart Energy Management. So both these projects um, involved a number of government and industry players because they have there is a there's a catch there that is the Australian industry and the market players and also governments and uh, policymakers are really interested in India. They want to sort of develop uh, relations and get markets or trade and market with India. So, so, so that sort of has really um, worked there well because they're really interested in developing more, widen their markets and sort of uh, develop more better links with India. So those two projects really work well and we've brought together a number of industry and marketplace from both the countries to build a connection and build a profile there. So that really worked out well. Unfortunately, um, I had to leave Australia later I can take that sort of thing um, further, but um, I guess anything that sort of touches the marketplace can really help. I'd like to talk now about the perception of sustainability in the industry. And I know that you've done some research about perception. So I'm interested to hear your reflections on how you think the sustainability industry is perceived yeah, amongst the broader construction environment. So there is an interesting uh, definition because, I mean, usually sustainability, they, we, have, we all know one definition of sustainability. But among the industry, there is a very different definition. Uh, I just want to say it. I, I just want to read it, maybe. Um, so sustainability is defined as the management of balanced and responsible production 
to ensure enduring and long-lasting corporate relationships, living conditions and social conditions will change the business landscape by placing new demands on the skills and abilities of a company's resource base. So if we see this definition, it is highlighting sort of three things, which is about building the corporate relationships, sort of emphasizing those and changing the business landscape. And at the same time, uh, are enduring the company's resource base. So irrespective of what sustainability is in sort of in other sorts of definition, in whether it is sustainability industry or any other sorts of industry, it is largely seen from the perspective of market and competitiveness um, and how this can, you know, help create competitive advantage. You know, so one of the projects that uh, I worked on, again, the basics project in Australia, so I've interviewed a few people, uh, market developers and industry people, about why they would like to really use energy-efficient products in buildings. So the question was actually why they wanted to um, go for basics buildings and sort of go for energy-efficiency, you know, uh, buildings. So the answer was that um, it will place them competitive and you know higher than other players who are in the market. So it is largely competitiveness. Sustainability is seen as a you know um, that can place industry and in a better place in a better level. And second thing is in terms of improving or. Uh, using better resources with the increasing prices with the increasing global recession um, economic crisis uh, industry want to really eliminate that sort of challenges in price and market and also the third one is also of course better service often you know that name of a brand uh, is extremely important on and enduring that brand name is really important. So by enabling or using sustainability as a means, they could provide better service and that, that could result in, you know, better brand name. So I guess these, these are some of the um, sort of issues where um, sustainability is seen as an opportunity in among the industry. And do you think that it's perceived in that way as really just a marketing and um, competitive edge? Or do you think that there is a real drive from people in the industry to do the right thing environmentally? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. There is really, I mean, uh, there could be exceptions with a, with a few industry players, but in a broad way, it is largely competitiveness. So, I mean, that's a bit of a concerning outlook, but um, there is positivity in that if if sustainability does bring advantages in terms of um, marketability, then we can start to see an uptake. But let's hope, I guess, that, um, yeah, attitudes shift 
Yeah, I mean, like like all industry, there there could be really some exceptions. You know, there there could be few industry players who would be really you know charging, taking the lead to do something. Um, you know, to bring a difference, make a difference. You know, but but this is the sort of largely this is the attitude, this is the perspective, um, mm-hmm. perception. So we have interviewed a number of you know um, real estate market developers and. Uh, builders in australia and this is what uh, a recurring theme was so yeah how do you think the uptake and value of sustainability can be improved in the wider industry yeah so i think there could be a few um ways so like we we have uh, i've sort of discussed about the challenges that we have and uh it could be uh, those challenges need to be really turned into opportunities so if we want to take better we need to take best practices we need to you know uh, bring together the best practices develop some sorts of guides that can help industry you know to easy access to identify what could they could do um it could also be like for a uh, radical actions for example i would like to take example of uh, covid itself let's say um we've never never been using um hand sanitizers masks you know before um so much and uh, especially in some parts of the world the developing world hand sanitizers were never known to people but now it's like because of the covid and uh, government actions it was mandatory in many places using mask was mandatory and also people automatically were using um hand sanitizers start taking you know immunity pills like vitamin c's or vitamin d and so on what has been the key in there is i would say first um awareness public awareness has really increased and two of course uh policies you know um government initiatives government mandatory regulations so i think we need um even for sustainability those sort of key initiatives so one public awareness is extremely important sustainability is still seen as a luxury among many players it is expensive thing um it is not really easy for general public to take it um or it is not even um uh, easy it's seen as um an expensive thing and for example um if i take for example green roofs and green walls green infrastructure they require a lot of initial investments and also they require a lot of um maintenance costs um and so and and also extra load bearing capacity and all those stuff so um it is often seen as a very expensive industry so the costs need to come down um for that so for example again recently uh, we've seen solar energy has become cheaper than fossil fuels which is which is amazing you know 10 years back we've never imagined that solar energy can be you know uh, it can be achieving grid parity um uh, forget about becoming cheap um uh, it could even at, um, get grid parity now we seeing last week um this news came that it became cheaper than fossil fuels 
So, so what what happened? So the successful case studies need to be documented, and alongside we need better regulations, uh, better public awareness, and sort of uh, policies. And of course, not to forget joint action by all stakeholders. Um, that's a key. As a sustainability leader, you have the opportunity to help set the agenda for what we need to be focusing on. What are your main sustainability priorities for the next year and the next five years? Um, thank you so much. Yeah, um, as a sustainability leader, I usually set a few goals for my own self, um, both in terms of you know my own individual lifestyle and at the same time my career. Um, so they are both go they both go hand in hand. Um, so in terms of my own lifestyle, I would say uh, I have been successful not traveling this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when did you move? Yeah, oh yeah, so that's the only that's the only international travel I really did. <laughs> I know other than that, um, yeah, I haven't traveled much anywhere. So that itself um, is a good opportunity, as I think. So I want to do more and more of that in the sense that travel less um, and uh, as much as possible I could do maybe, um, yeah, online, you know, talks, online seminars, online conferences um, so and so on. So that's one thing. I really want to do so other other guests I other sorts of things I think are I'm sort of taking actions on sustainability already reducing my consumption um, you know my own consumption and also taking action um, this is one thing I've sort of I'm really interested in in the sense that I would like to really inspire others to take action as well so um, I, in the next one year or five years, I would like to ta- uh, do more sorts of talks, more type of community talks, more sort of talks in, uh, among young people, you know, groups, um, where I sort of, I can help them because young people are the future and they are the action, you know, makers. So, for example, um, in, the cl- in the classes that I teach here at Wolverhampton, um, I've been able to sort of get that bit of uh, point to uh, the students. So I've made the students actually take their own carbon footprint and realize what is their carbon footprint so they could actually realize, you know, what they could take better actions. So some of them seems to be really interested in taking more actions. Some of them are already taking actions. So that is one. And of course, I would be again interested in more knowledge sharing. Um, knowledge sharing has really been constant with me um, for few years. And uh, uh, in terms of career, I have been actually been a part of a number of international groups, you know, um, research groups, um, taking action and also engaging with the policymakers. And so, for example, for example, just uh, yesterday, as we speak today, um, I have been nominated to uh, lead the policy group on cool building solutions of the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. So um, this is a good initiative because it brings together, um, you know, great minds on 
cool building solutions or generally cooling. Um, so this is extremely important. So I would be really interested in better engaging with more sorts of research groups, research network, international collaborations. Um, we've also sort of developed yesterday. I also had a you know meeting with a uh, university in Czech Republic, and we're planning to actually um, you know take some of our sort of content on sustainability, and they were really interested in bringing that sort of thing together, working together um, in that space. So yeah, I mean, uh, these are some of the actions that I would really would like to take, and I just hope that it goes well. Well, congratulations on that role and um, that they sound like some really exciting opportunities. So I look forward to following along and seeing what comes out of it. Sure. Thank you so much. For my second last question now, I'd just like to circle back to the theme of female representation and diversity in environmental leadership. Do you have any advice to those who are striving to make a difference in the field? I wouldn't say myself as actually um, a leader because I'm still taking baby steps. Um, it's as a young female uh, in, in the built environment or sustainability industry, I'm sort of still taking um, one step at a time and uh, seeing what I can sort of contribute and what I can sort of offer. So, but just uh, maybe what I could tell a few tips, uh, though I, again, would like to emphasize that I wouldn't call myself as a real leader. Um, but I think uh, women should be really part makers um, in the sense that take a step and lead. Um, don't be shy because often uh, women get shy and there's, oh, can I actually ask this? Can I actually go and uh, talk to this person? Can I ask an opportunity? So, yeah, uh, don't be shy. Um, take every opportunities that comes along, whether it is small or big, really doesn't matter because every small drop makes an ocean. So every small thing really sort of, um, you know, makes a big difference. Add to your, um, you know, career, add to your leadership, add to your future goals. So take every opportunity. And finally, um, I would say nothing is small. So go and do it. Everything is big. That is very inspiring. <laughs> I'd like to end our conversation today by asking you one final question about inspiration. And if you could name one thing that has been instrumental in shaping the kind of leader or sustainability professional but I really do think you are a leader you've mentioned you know influencing the young minds of the students that you're teaching so if you could name one thing um, that has been really pivotal for you it could be a book a place a person an idea or an experience what would that be um there are a number of things or a number of people who actually sort of shape my career along the way at different stages of my career. But if I would have to say just one, I would really say uh, or dedicate this to my mother. Because um, when I was born, it seems, uh, you know, being a female um, coming from a very you know, traditional Asian family, Indian family. So my, um, especially 
um, grandparents weren't happy um, because it was a girl. And she sort of uh, told that time that my daughter will one day uh, be equal to several sons. Um, she said that. And also when I was in my teens, um, 17 or 18, I guess, um, she said one sentence. I, it still rings the bell to me till today. And it always goes to me. And that is, go, do, stand on your own and get some recognition in whatever you do. Um, so that's why it still keeps with me. My mother sacrificed her own career for children. So, yeah, but she has been instrumental in sort of inspiring me to do something. Wow, she sounds like an amazing woman. And, um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your reflections with me today and for being so generous with your time. It's been really lovely to meet you and have a chat. Thank you, Sarah. It was actually indeed exciting, very exciting talking to you. And I would really look forward to see the report, what comes out of it. And also, hopefully, um, your further work and future research and future work. Thank you so much. <laughs>